Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale May 8th, 2019. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. Hey now, and I'm Tucker Marcus. You're an all-star. New catchphrase. I like it. We're recording in a different space today. Um, We're in S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, which is appropriate because recently there was some exciting news about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6, and then the season actually premieres this week, so it all works out. Yeah, awesome. So we have the we have the the live ambiance of Marvel HQ, Shield HQ happening. Also, we're sitting so far away from each other. It's uh, it's I'm do, maybe I'm like reaching one foot <laughs> further away. <laughs> I'm like I'm like reaching like you uh, are grabby handing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's good. Um, anyway, uh, good to see you. Yeah, you too, Tucker. <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about the new comics on sale, all the print issues, the digital issues, the collections, stuff hitting the apps. All that good stuff, Tucker. Kick it off. All right, we're starting with my first pick of the week, and uh, it's Age of Conan Belite number three. But this is a big Conan week. We have all three Conan books. Uh, Belite. We have Conan the Barbarian. We have Savage Sword. We're covering all of them this week. We actually did a special pull list video, uh, which you can check out on Marvel.com. Uh, uh, hey, you know what? I will say the cowards here at Marvel yeah. did not get us. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, barbarian cowards. costumes. I agree. Cowards. Yeah. I am looking at you, John Michael. I can't. You know what? <laughs> I love John Ennis so much. The nicest man in he the is world. The best. He's but nonetheless, yeah, we're pissed. <laughs> you are the nicest guy ever. But no, uh, why didn't you get us real animal blood to just like bathe in right before going on? Whoa, it got cool. dark real yeah. quick. Anyway, um, Age of Conan, Belite number three. This is written by Teeny Howard with pencils and inks by Kate Nemechek. She shares the work with Scott Hanna, who does finishes on uh, about 10 pages of this story. Colors are by Jason Keith, and letters are are by VCs Travis Lanham. We've spoken a a lot about Teeny's capacity to tell, like, really big stories and really specific stories. I keep thinking, actually, back to that Captain America annual story that she did. Yeah which was so spectacular, but she's just gone strength to strength on uh, every single issue of Belit for me. This one is so much fun because I feel like the more we go, the better we're getting to know this character. Uh, and it's something that you absolutely want. You you want to uncover the folds of, of every element of a character like this. And that's absolutely what we're doing. And it's, it's a, it's a pirate story. It's, it's so much fun because we have, maps of pirate ships traversing the world and it's all kind of narrated in this amazing like pirate shanty would that be a yar yar right me handy yeah (laughs) i've actually spent a good amount of time listening to like youtube videos of like 30 50 year old dudes with beards singing like that just get together and sing like old pirate shanties i hope i'm using the right noun there you are an onion and i love when the layers get peeled (laughs) back it's so cool in my free time i also read one piece the manga oh yeah watched some of the the anime but i love me a good pirate story (laughs) uh this is this is so great I, i i love belit i love the way that teeny writes this character i actually feel like teeny just has such 
amazing ownership of who this character is. Uh, and then we also have the prose story by Michael A. Stackpole in Bone Whispers, and this is episode three of that, uh, three of five. And similarly, it's just got such a specific, wonderful tone. I love these prose stories so much. I mean, we've encountered them having done the um, 80th anniversary specials where that used to be a regular feature in a, in a ton of different comics. So to see it and to get a taste of that, it's it's a great little um, something to mix it up, and it's so much fun. Two things I wanted to point out about this issue that I loved in, in how it shapes Belit's sort of the aura around her, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. One in the first few pages, Belit climbs up a massive, angry, undead sea monster mm-hmm. and then cuts its head off. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the intro to the book. Yeah. And then later in the, in the issue, there's a cool thing uh, where you're talking about like the crew and they're singing and like all this stuff. But there's this page of drummers on her ship mm-hmm. and they are drumming and it, sort of tells the passage of time and their like growing allegiance to Belite and they start out at like it's two drummers and they're sort of like young and, and clean cut almost. Yeah. And then as it goes through their muscles get stronger, they're bigger, they get more tattoos, they get rougher, <laughs> they get more like furious yeah. in it. And just the the way that that story is told in those pages and then with the captions and everything. Really, really well done yeah, stuff. totally. Great comics. All right, up next is Age of X-Men, Apocalypse, and the Extracts. Extracts. <laughs> Whoa, There's, a lot uh, of consonant uh, sounds. Yeah. Uh, number three, written by Tim Seeley, art by Salva Espin and Israel Silva, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, so it's Dazzler and Unveil versus Omega Red, which seems like... That's going to go bad for the ladies, but they hold their own. It's mm-hmm. really awesome. I love Dazzler's look in this series. It's like this 60s mod poet thing, but she's got still got the like blue shirt and the gold star. And it just – she looks very striking. I, the designs in this book all around look mm-hmm. really, really cool. Uh, there's a really sweet revelatory bit between Evan, who is Kid Apocalypse, and iBoy – which really digs into some of the psychology of them and their relationships with the others around them and the way that they understand this world, what they see, what they know, how much things hurt physically and emotionally. I thought those couple of pages really, really nailed like the book for me. And it makes the last page of this issue so freaking rad, which I don't want to spoil, but if you look at the cover to the next issue, it gives you a little hint. There's also a scene with Colossus and Kitty Pride where uh, it's in Colossus's art gallery that, mm. man, that's some good stuff. Yeah. All right, next up we have When Captain America Throws His Mighty Shield, number 10. Yes. Those who <laughs> oppose this shield must yield. It's so good. I've literally been singing that song for months. Anyway, it's written by Tanahasi Coates with art by Adam Kubert. Of course, the story is just by them. I love the credits page. We've talked about that before. It's great. Colors are by Frank Martin, and letters are by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, Cap is still in prison in this issue, but also the central focus here for me is the small society that exists within the confines of this jail. The characters that Cap comes across, the way that he, in his incredibly idiosyncratic way, digests everything that he sees, but also... We have just some awesome fights. I mean, like, I'm looking at, there's a fight scene that happens in the middle of this, which is just, like, ridiculous, Qbert, amazing. This is, like, perfect Captain America comics right here. I do, I want to just 
jump in real quick because I've had the pleasure of the last three weeks spending a lot more time with Adam Kubert yeah. because he's been our sort of in-house illustrator on the Marvel Live Twitter show. So just talking with him, watching him draw, coming up with the dumbest ideas and him turning them into like great things. Uh, Wood God and Firestar playing football. And he was just like, Wood God, really? And then he nailed it. Watching what he does here is is truly watching someone who has and can do anything in comics and still yep. putting their all to it. Absolutely. Yeah, a true master at work. And it's an amazing combination of like spot on beautiful anatomy and like physiology, but also with like some of the the kinetic energy and the movement that that he captures here where we see like Cap getting punched and his face is kind of extended and like moves. You know, it's two really different skills, I feel like. But of course, like we said, master at work and it just all flows beautifully. I also love the design for Baron Strucker. Yes. Because Baron Strucker, he's the shirtless. They're fighting in an electrified cage. Yeah. And Strucker looks like Sagat from Street Fighter. Mm. I don't know if you know that character. He's <laughs> right. like tall, bald. He has an eye patch as opposed to a monocle, but he has that look in there. Yeah. And there's this one point where Strucker gets knocked down and then he does a kip up, which is sort yes. of like when you're on your back and you flip up yeah. on your legs. And it's just the way it's depicted. I'm like, ah, I know. rad as hell. Yeah, totally. But also, but Tanahasi's line in this uh, spread, like that, the big spread with mm-hmm, them fighting, mm-hmm, is so good. It's, quote, where was I again? Oh, right, levels, Nazis, and how much I like punching them. And just, <laughs> you're getting Cap's narration, how much he's enjoying punching a Nazi in the face. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. Up next is Captain Marvel number five, written by... Eisner Award nominated ah. Kelly Thompson, art by Carmen Cañero, colors by Tamara Bonvalain, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This one has Carol and Rogue fighting side by side against the nuclear man. That alone is super great, but considering all their you know history and feelings, there's a lot of weight to it, and Kelly doesn't brush any of that aside. I think that's what makes it so special. What makes it all work and fit together is that she finds a way to make them teaming up feel right, feel natural, not like a clean, like, oh, we're all good. No, they're not all good. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of business between them, but they put that aside, work together because they're two of the greatest heroes we have. I love that whole, that carries throughout this whole issue. It's really fantastic. She's Eisner nominated for a reason. Yeah. Like this is, she's doing some of the best work in comics right now. Um, There's also great moments of Carol's crew all together here. You know, if you liked, I'm not going to say spoilers, but if you liked that specific Carol squad moment from Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame, you're going to love this book. Mm-hmm. This is going to like going to scratch a perfect itch for you. And then Carmen, she just knocks out all those big action moments, like these big battle scenes and characters all over the place, robots and heroes and powers and all kinds of stuff, but also the quiet hugging and smooching moments that come after the dust settles, mm-hmm. you know, all those bits work together. Love you know that. you know what I mean? Love like that. those bits were great. Also there's this one panel of Hangry Hulk which is one of my favorites of the week. You mentioning Hulk just now reminded me, I woke up this morning to a text from one of my best friends who uh, asked me at 7.26 a.m. Uh, he texted me, apropos of nothing, he just said, would you get fired if you referred to Thanos as Hulk Blue? <laughs> capital H, capital B. And I was like, for sure. 
Hulk Blue. Hulk Blue, there's nothing to figure out here. It's really that simple. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's not blue. Yeah. Do you guys, is your friend color, like, color distorted? No. He, he, he's. Thanos is a nice purple. He is, like a nice he's a nice, like, lilac. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I said yes, I absolutely would. And Look, I'm risking my job just by mentioning it. On the live show, I said, uh, Wood God is a thick boy. And, uh, you know, it's live. Nothing they can do about it. We're still here. Yeah. We're still kicking. Um, okay, next up, we have Conan the Barbarian, number six. And this is written by Jason Aaron with art by Mahmoud Azrar. Colors by Matthew Wilson and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I loved this issue. I really considered making this one of my picks. It's one of my honorable mentions this week. It's so good. We start out with um, in the Kingdom of Turan, where we're just kind of meeting some kind of roaming nomadic groups and these guys on horseback with these cool swords. Uh, and we, we enter a place that actually reminded me of Indiana Jones and mm. The Last Crusade. Yep. Um, 100% can, can yep. feel it. Uh, Valley of the Crescent Moon kind of vibe. Um, what did you find, Dad? Illumination. Anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, and I love this so much because it really captures the spirit of like Conan as a journeyman. He's just out there because we start the story with the people that end up finding him on their journey. So you, you really feel kind of cast off into this another time and, and place and, and it works so well because they find him then just sitting on a pile of bodies covered in blood and it's the most epic coolest i think image in this week's books it's the best actually reminding me of samuel l jackson's character's introduction in the hateful eight anyway uh, i still haven't seen it <laughs> it's good mm. yeah it's good it's no 12 angry men hateful eight little it's like four Four less good than 12 Angry Men. Anyway, um, we get to see Conan kind of ingratiate himself with this tribe, but also be combative with them. It's a really fascinating dynamic that emerges. Uh, again, it's just that thing of seeing Conan in as many different contexts as possible. We've seen in these six issues alone, him in like the jungle fighting like lizard snake beasts. Um, we've seen him on the seas. We've seen him like an, as an elderly king. So uh, this is just another really cool chapter. Like I said, this feels like a, a big issue of Conan. Heck yeah. All right. So last weekend, as you are listening to this, was a free comic book day. We didn't talk about those books well ahead of time because it just would have been unfair to yeah. talk about them so far ahead of release. But we're going to talk about them now. We have two free comic book day books. Hopefully you got your hands on them. First is free comic book day Avengers. It's got two stories in there. It's an Avengers story by Jason Aaron, Stefano Caselli, Eric Arseniega, and VCs Corey Pettit. It features uh, our cast of main Avengers that are in the book right now. But really it starts out and you focus on Iron Man in the past. Then you've got the Squadron Supreme of America battling Namor's Defenders of the Deep, which is really really neat then you've got ghost riders car bugging out and then you've got the the wildest twist that i didn't even realize we were going to do in this book it's cap and a team of avengers in deep space and they've got these wild costumes yeah that moment i was like whoa this is gnarly it's really really fun <laughs> jason's dc jokes with the squadron <laughs> in iron man's captions are chef's kiss perfection uh, i grabbed one of them and says Quote, look, 
I've never considered myself an enemy of DC. They've been times you could even say I was a big fan. End quote. <laughs> I love it. And of yeah. course, he's talking about Washington, DC, yeah, where the Squadron Supreme of America are coming out of. Uh, all right. So the second story is a Savage Avengers tale and acts as a bit of a prelude to the Savage Avengers comic. And it's by Jerry Duggan, Mike Diodato Jr., Frank Martin, and VCs Travis Landon, the team on the main series. So we find out how Tucker's favorite opera singer connects to Wolverine. Ah. And it's a, it's a really, really neat moment. Uh, you also see what's going on with Elektra, who was not in the first issue but has been on the covers and is, will be in the book. So seeing how she connects to everything. And then you have some viciously dope slashing from Wolverine. It's gorgeous stories for the both of them. Definitely hope you got to check it out. I'm sure if we haven't already, we will be releasing these on the Marvel app. We also have free comic book day, Spider-Man. Two more stories in there. The first is a Venom story, kind of. I mean, it's, yeah. it's Venom, but it's also an Absolute Carnage story because yeah. it is a taste of what's coming in Absolute Carnage by Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, J.P. Meyer, Frank Martin, and VCs Clayton Cowles. So there's a big spoil and a twist and some death up in this issue that I am not going to spoil for everybody. I'll just say that it gives us a new look at Carnage that is truly horrifying. Mm -hmm. I love this and what the design for this Carnage is just, it's gnarly. Mm -hmm. He doesn't look like the Carnage that first came out in the 90s or what we've seen recently. He's growing based on his awful, awful actions. <laughs> There's much more to come with that. We're going to get into Absolute Carnage in the next couple months. But the the Spider-Man story actually features both Peter and Miles. They're having one of the most New York heated battles in all of Herodom. I love it so much. It is about pizza. <laughs> it's about where the best pizza can be found. Everybody's got an opinion. I, I would say either of these free comic book titles would have been my top picks. If they were just regular books, right. they're just so good. They really show sort of the best of the best of what we're trying to put out right now. They are free, though, and they're perfect. Hopefully, you got a chance to read them. And, of course, those books are free, but we have to give thanks to our advertiser this week, Marvel MasterCard, because when you want to buy your comic books, you need to do it with your Marvel MasterCard. Did you know you could be earning cashback rewards for buying comic books? How? With the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash list. You can earn 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard and 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn. You can enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription and you can choose your superhero from one of six cool card designs too, like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a few. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. Okay, next book this week is Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. It's written by Twitter celebrity Tom Taylor. Just kidding. Uh, known best as an amazing comic book writer uh, with art by spooky house attendant <laughs> the best attendant. thing ever if you haven't read it go back and read it uh, anyway uh, with art by Juan Cabal colors by Nolan Woodard and Federico Blee and letters by VCs Travis Lanham oh boy I, this was nearly one of my picks I know hold Oof. on to your butts get your hankies out because this is a really amazing issue uh, we're introducing a, a new character here featured on the cover this is Spider Bite a young hero, nine years old. Sorry, 
nine and a half. Um, <laughs> we get to see a really cool fight with Doc Ock. We see a fight uh, and the Vulture gets involved. Some amazing kind of hero team up action between Spidey and Spider Bite. This is one of those issues that I can say almost everything, but there are some major things that I cannot say. We essentially get to see these heroes throw down, not just against the Sinister Six, but against the Sinister 60, and oh man, is Juan doing work in here. So there's two double page spreads in a row. The first one, he draws 59. Did you count? I counted. Crazy. I counted seven times because I was like, why are, why? it's the Sinister 60. Why is he only drawing 59? Right. And then, of course, I was like, oh, wait, it makes sense later in the story. But he draws 59 villains plus the two Spideys. And then the next page is, did you count? 60 panels. Mm. The next spread is 60 panels right. across those two pages. What is happening? It's crazy. The amount of work going on is just nuts. I, I would love to know in the actual script for this if this was outlined specifically by Tom or if this is just something that Juan chose like a masochist to do, but he does it incredibly. It's so much fun to read. I literally haven't seen anything like this in a book in a very, very, very long time. There's so much happening. It's awesome. Um, but uh, like I said, uh, as you can imagine, there's some amazing bonding moments between these two heroes. Um, and uh, uh, um, uh, again, uh, there's major spoilers um, to be aware of here, but uh, uh, this is a, a really amazing kind of one-shot, one-off issue that tells a beautiful powerful story um highly highly recommend picking it up you can just jump in right here it is in many ways a really classic spider-man story a really classic peter parker story in that way yeah this is one that you can just pick up yeah and read whenever yeah absolutely okay next up we have invaders number five written by other eisner award nominee chip zadarsky congrats to both chip and kelly as well as all the other Eisner nominees, with art on this issue by Carlos Magno and Butch Geis, colors by Alex Guimares, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This series for me has like maybe the biggest, I guess it's kind of difficult to say because when thinking of like Conan the Barbarian, thinking of Savage Sword, uh, you think of Avengers, there are a ton of bugs, not even to mention like, you know, events like War of the Realms, things like that that are helping, happening that are just telling such massive stories, such huge stories. This is right up there with them. Um, and it's really fascinating because, yes, there is massive, huge uh, throwdowns and, and battles and, and really, really beautiful art that tells the story. I mean, here we get to see Namor and Jim Hammond kind of go toe-to-toe in a really fascinating, interesting, Oof. complex, awesome way. Iron Man gets involved, She-Hulk, the Avengers are here. But it's not just that. It's not just the huge action. I feel like this, as much as any other book that we read on a weekly basis, sources that epic quality from directly from the characters and directly from their relationships, their decades of history together, and just their very specific points of view that happen to clash sometimes. I think if you told me several years ago, or even when I started at Marvel, that one of my two favorite characters maybe would be Namor, I'd be like, oh, oh okay, cool. But um, I, I just love this character. I, I Welcome uh, to the... I know. Welcome to the club. I know. It, it, it's amazing. He just offers something that very few characters do. And, and the way that Chip writes him is so 
perfect. I mean, you read this and you think back to, you know, Chip's like goofiest issues of Spectacular Spider-Man or Howard the Duck or something where he's the funniest writer around and he's just making the dumbest, most hilarious jokes through to this where he has an just incredible command of these characters' voices. You know, can't say enough good things about Invaders. It's so, so good. And Carlos Magno, his work on this mm-hmm. book, so detailed. Yeah. Like, drawing all the scales on Cap's armor and, like, it looks so... Like, you feel how much that Cap carries around mm-hmm. just by how protected he is in that armor. But I have to give a special shout-out because... He draws a really cool homage to one of my favorite, and I think a lot of folks my age, our favorite Marvel Comics covers of the 80s, which was the cover to Captain America Annual Number 8 from 1986. And so, pick, remember, 1986, Wolverine was like almost, not quite, but almost at his, at like his most popular. Yeah. And it's Wolverine slashing down at Captain America's oh, yeah. shield. It's covered by Mike Zeck. It is beautiful Mm -hmm. like one of the best covers of the 80s uh and he's like you know furious and gnarly but he does an homage to that in this issue with namor slashing down a cap shield and there's even like tiny little claws on namor's Mm -hmm. like gauntlet Mm -hmm. that 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 are the same it's it's really fun one of those tiny tiny little things that i I don't know if everybody's going to catch but i like that yeah it's so good yeah up next is a brand new League of Legends series. This is League of Legends Lux, number one, written by John O'Brien, art by the Tan Comics team of Billy Tan, Hennig, and Gadsen, letters by John Rochelle of Comicraft. Uh, this one, very, like, manga-y, very anime. Mm. Like, it's it's sort of this high fantasy, medieval type thing with knights and magic and really cool stuff, but it feels like you know like you're watching an anime almost billy and and the team do such really cool work on uh delivering an interesting feel to this gives me vibes of old school joe matarera art which is awesome Mm -hmm. you know as i've talked about before i'm very unfamiliar with the league of legends world i know some of our listeners i think amanda and some others Mm -hmm. know this so please drop us some knowledge about these books this series uh if you will you know you can always email twinpodcast at marvel.com or or hashtags and and all that stuff on twitter you know how to find us. yeah send me a pigeon at my home send a pigeon to tucker (laughs) but it was neat i i got absorbed into this because you have this classic marvel style conflict of Someone who's on the, you know, like a law enforcement person who finds out that the people that they're putting away, they have a deeper connection to and how that affects them and then digging into their society and what they hate and they fear and they don't trust and the power and all that kind of stuff. So it's really neat. I'm, I'm invested in this little luck story. Nice. Right now. Awesome. Up next, we have Marvel's Annotated Number 3. This is written by Kurt Busiek, art by Alex Ross, uh, original letters by Richard Starkings and John Gauchel. Uh, So this is partially a reprint, as we've talked about, but man, this is one of the best things that we have out. You know, I think this has always been my favorite issue of the series because it covers sort of the coming of Galactus and and the whole panic around that. And they take that original story and do some really beautiful stuff. But the bonus materials in this are off the charts. I spent a lot of time looking through all this. You have the full script of the issue, of course. Tons of character studies by Alex Ross that range from loose sketches to elaborate pencils to full paintings, lots of covers. When, as a reader of Wizard back, back, back in the day, there were these 
hero and villains Marvel covers that they turn mm. into posters that are reprinted in here, which I remember like sent me flashing back to my childhood bedroom <laughs> where I had these on my wall. It was really wild. There's a wonderful note about Jack Kirby that Alex Ross wrote in this that, that choked me up a little bit. Man, there's just so much going on. I, I'm not picking it because it's, uh, it is a reprint of sorts, but it gets my mm-hmm. highest possible recommendation. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay, next up we have Savage Sword of Conan, number five. And this is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Ron Garney, colors by Richard Eisenhoff, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This is the kind of the big throwdown that we've been kind of looking towards this moment. And Conan has been journeying towards this moment as he's clashed with the cult of Kogathun. And in this issue, that comes to a head. He faces off against the dark wizard, black magic man Voldemort yeah uh himself it's so cool I mean honestly it has such a um an eerie tone about it but the warmth that some like the the fire gives off contrasted against like the the heavy big black ink lines and you know of course it's it's everything to love about Jerry's writing because he knows what you want he knows what a book named after a sword it's the savage sword of Conan. He knows the the huge leaning into the delicious, like, epic moments that you want. He provides them over and over and over again. And this is one of the most fun books to read. And, and as we reach this this first kind of uh, pinnacle of the series, it's, it's so good. Conan goes after someone so hard in this issue that he cuts their head off and they turn into a pile of snakes. Yeah. Conan will hurt you so bad you turn into a pile of snakes. Yeah. That's uh, it. I mean, that's all. Yeah, that's pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Another book I love is Spider-Man Deadpool number 50, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Jim Toe and Matt Horak, inks by Sean Parsons, colors by Brian Reber, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And it's my second pick of the week. Bing, bing, bing. Um, we've spoken a ton about the really inventive ways that uh, Robbie has been utilizing Deadpool and Deadpool's unique features as a character, the fourth wall breaking and all of that, how he's been playing with that in a bunch of different ways throughout the entire series. But uh, recently he's had his kind of fourth wall breaking powers taken away from him. Then he's had them given back to him. Gwenpool has entered the picture, which I think is so perfect. It leaves me like wanting a Robbie Thompson Gwenpool story so bad. This issue does things that I actually don't think I've ever seen in one of our comics before. Shout out to Mr. Jake Thomas, the editor of this series. And uh, yeah, it's it's a totally, totally worthy final issue. Totally, totally, you know, need to need to pick up. Yeah, there's um, I, I will say this. The second page has a real billboard for Marvel yeah. Studios Avengers Endgame <laughs> in the comic. It made and me laugh so much. It's part of the story. Yeah. And then there's a Fometi sequence. Do you know what Fometi is? No. So Fometi is uh, a European... It's really popular in Europe, mm-hmm. and it is sort of a way of doing comics, but using photos with dialogue and captions. So right. we actually have... Right. In the 70s or 80s, we did a Fometi book, which had the bullpen, and it's very goofy and very silly. But you use real-world photos, and you just put in comic book captions and dialogue balloons and stuff like that. And it's it's never been big in America, but it's right. huge internationally. F- tons F- of comics. A Fimetti 
artwork in the vein of the cover to Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 30? The 33. 33. Uh, but that that mixed, that's sort of a mixed thing where yes. you're mixing the, the real world photos yeah, with the right, comic right, art. Right. This has no comic art. It is just the dialogue and the captions that bring the comic elements and then the paneling of it all to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you... If you do some research on the Fumetti stuff, it's it's nice. fascinating. Nice. I'm curious why it never took off in America right. the way it, did, it yeah. has internationally. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right, awesome. Next up, we have Star Wars Age of Rebellion, Boba Fett, number one. This issue is titled Hunter's Heart. It's written by Greg Pak with art by Mark Lamming, colors by Niraj Menon, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I, as I was reading this, I was kind of thinking that like Boba Fett feels like one of the more like one of the most comic book characters in Star Wars. Like seeing this seeing Boba Fett in this issue just felt very feels very right. And I think a big part of that is because he is he's not a very verbose man. And so his aesthetic and the way he moves is just so essential to who he is. So if you can capture that like the art team does here you're really getting the essence of this character in every single way. Uh, there's a awesome splash page. This gets to the heart of one of my favorite things about Star Wars, of Boba Fett riding a robot horse. It's the coolest. It's like such a Western feel, but in the most Star Wars way. He's got like some rebel pilot bounty on the back of this robot horse, like it's Red Dead Redemption 2 or something. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I love it so much because it's that mixture of the natural world and the technological world. It's that it's this amazing, amazing mashup of those things. Um, it feels like that could have been pulled from a Macquarie like yes, design page. A, a million percent. You know, like they just said, "Oh, this is perfect. Let's just tweak this for what we need." Right I now. totally, totally agree. Uh, and that's look that says a lot about the art team here, about Mark and Niraj, because. It's a difficult thing to visually capture that Ralph McQuarrie vibe, to really visually capture something that that feels so organic to the Star Wars world because it is so specific. Every single one of these Age of Rebellion stories I read, I get more and more and more excited for Greg taking over the main Star Wars series this summer. It's going to be so good. He just, he has such, you can really feel his excitement in every single one of these pages. You could tell how much he loves these characters and, and digging into the essence of, of what makes them so special and so unique. And uh, yeah, uh, this a near wordless character. I think he says one line in the entire story yep. and it's the coolest thing ever. It's just so much fun. Yeah. That line is, eh, got any gum? <laughs> classic, classic, classic Boba, Boba. Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. All right, up next is Star Wars Dr. Aphra number 32, written by Simon Spurrier, with art by Wilton Santos and Caspar Vingard, with inks by Mark Deering and Don Ho, colors by Chris O'Halloran and Stefan Petru, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This opens in a flashback. We get to see Aphra's parents, and mm. uh, actually tells us a lot about yes. who she is, why she's the way she is, what sort of pushed her in the directions that she's gone in. Seeing her life as a kid and the way it affected her, it sucks. Yeah. Parents, be better. Yeah. Like both of you, all yeah. of you, one of you, however many parents you got, be better. We see how that's reflected in the present as she's got a younger traveling companion with her and you see those reflections coming through. Afra should not be traveling with anyone, in my opinion, <laughs> but that's what makes for a fun story. She's yeah. such a danger to other people 
to herself, but to other people in particular, especially when those she starts to care about, it makes for really compelling stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love this really like this deep dig into her psychology and oh boy, that ending. Oh yeah. Oh man. Can't wait. More, 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 more. Before we go on, I just want to remind you guys that Freeform's original series, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger is back. In season one, we met Ty and Tandy as they discovered their new superpowers. Ty, a.k.a. Cloak, can control the realm of darkness. And Tandy, a.k.a. Dagger, can shoot daggers of light from her hands. In this new season, there are bigger issues on the horizon, though. They'll need to embrace their powers. And Tucker, they're going to have to figure it out faster because whether they like it or not, mayhem is coming. So tune in to watch season two of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger Thursdays on Freeform. Okay, next up we have Symbiote Spider-Man number two, which is written by Peter David with pencils by Greg Land, inks by Jay Lyston, colors by Frank D'Armata, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Again, we're jumping into this story way back and kind of telling an untold tale about the alien suit, about the black suit. I love this issue, though, because it is a really great Mysterio story. It's really awesome and I think it captures the spirit of what makes Quentin Beck such like such a great supervillain. It's like truly takes advantage of the comic book medium in a way that very few uh, supervillains do. And it's just so perfect. You know, as you can imagine, have been doing a lot of Mysterio research and art referencing on Marvel.com lately. And, uh, you know, there are like, not as many awesome, cool splash pages of Mysterio as you might think. But this book is going to help a lot with that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Greg Land. Um, because there's some really beautiful stuff of uh, the old fishbowl in here. Uh, yeah, really enjoying it. Yeah, I was in a um, comic shop near my mom's house called Best Comics. It's uh, on Long Island. And I was in there picking up some long boxes. I know the guys. I was just looking through some back issues. And there was a, a like a... 10-year-old kid, give or take, wearing a gi, having just come from karate. His parents were buying him some comics. Um, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, it was great. And he was, like, looking around for stuff, and they were, like, suggesting books, and they suggested him Symbiote Spider-Man. Nice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's great. Next issue we have is Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 44. This is another War of the Realms tie-in issue. Uh, In issue 43, we got to see Doreen Green jump into an event for the first time ever, which was so cool. She's got a new War of the Realms special costume. It looks great. So it's really awesome to continue this story. It's written by Ryan North with art by Derek Charm, colors by Rico Renzi, and letters by Travis Lanham. We are singing here Squirrel Girl up against Ratatosker, this kind of giant evil squirrel unicorn. Chaotic. Yeah. Like, you know, it is evil, but at the same time, sort of like... And that's what we dig into more and more in this issue, which is what's really cool. This character that was kind of presented uh, in a certain light, the previous issue emerges in a different way, eventually ends up teaming up with Doreen uh, against some frost giants, which is really awesome. But also, I turned the page and saw this and got very excited because it's the Mangog, our old friend. Yeah, just drawn, colored beautifully, looks so good, but also, of course, written, you know, in the most Northian perfect way ever. It's so great. I I love, love, love these Unbeatable Squirrel Girl War of the Realms tie-ins so much because it allows the kind of 
the the hugeness of like these event stories to uh, it allows Doreen and really specifically Ryan North, who many people have said people will be talking to him for the next 100 years, asking him the specifics of the right way to write this character yeah. because he knows it so, so intimately. He's kind of defined it in so many different ways. I love this issue. I'm loving War of the Realms for all of the different teams and characters that we're getting to see emerge and come into this story. And this is just, this is just one of them. This is maybe the only War of the Realms book with Frost Giants kissing. Yeah. So <laughs> if for nothing else, that's why you come for it. Yeah. All right. Up next is Unstoppable Wasp number seven. And it's my first pick of the week. It is written by Jeremy Whitley, art by Alti Formancia, colors by Espen Grunenchern, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is the sweetest, most adorable issue this week. I love it so much. It's all about Nadia's birthday party. So it's full of friends that are their old friends, new friends for her, family members. Uh, and the family members is really important because it leads to a whole, like, throughout the course of this issue, Viv Vision explaining Nadia's family connections to all the, to the many people at her party. Right. You've got, like... How she's connected to Jocasta, how she's sort of connected to Tigra. It's really, really fun. The best is when it comes to Wiccan and Speed, who are kind of Scarlet Witch's children. Right. <laughs> and that shows up. So I know many of our readers and fans and listeners always get excited when we let them know that Wiccan and Hulkling are in a book. Wiccan and Hulkling are in here along with Speed because Wiccan and Speed are those sort of children of Scarlet Witch. And the way it's done to explain that to Nadia is so much fun. I will not spoil it, but it's really great. Throughout this issue, you got tons of hugs. Uh, you get Hercules getting super hyped for a fight. There's dancing. There's lots of fighting. There's a rare appearance of the Menagerie, a villain group that includes Pandamania, one of my favorite designs and favorite named uh, <laughs> villain characters of recent memory. And then Alti. Wow, 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 wow. She hits all the moments just perfectly. There's this bit with Jen tearing up at a sweet moment that Nadia has with Jarvis uh, or, or Nadia and a few of the other agents, a girl who are freaking out about a kiss. They're like jumping. It's very cartoony and there's like hearts around them. Mm -hmm. They're very excited. There's lots of great fashion in the party. Bucky's sort of party casual look of with his, you know, it's either a button down or it's a polo shirt and he's got his slacks on. Uh -huh. It's great. Mockingbird's sort of dress that mirrors her regular superhero outfit. I love every bit of it. Totally. Now we're moving on to another War of the Realms series. This is War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number two, which is written by the McElroys, drawn by Andre Lima Rajo, colored by Chris O'Halloran, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Essentially what's going down in this series is that uh, Balder, the Brave, kind of has been tasked by Lady Freya to take care of his little sister essentially his baby sister and he's got a group of heroes together i'll list them off we have miles morales hawkeye kate bishop death locket wonder man the uh, sorcerer sebastian druid and thory the hellhound thory uh, gets some great moments yeah there. um this is a an out there series which i really really enjoy a lot because it's an amazing combination of like the hellish uh, darkness of uh, War of the Realms and Malekith's Dark Forces, the Queen of Cinders here kind of taking over. Uh, but also it ha it kind of also feels like, is what is it, Three Men and the Baby? Adventures in Babysitting. Are you thinking of... I'm thinking of the... Is it Michael Keaton? Nope. 
You're thinking of uh, Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. Um, Tom Selleck? Tom Selleck. Yeah. And <laughs> it's the Goot, Tom Selleck, and Ted Danson. Oh, right. Yes. Three, that's Three Men and a Baby. Yes, exactly. Because Not Adventures in Babysitting? Well, I, I don't know what that is. Adventures in Babysitting is babysitters going on an adventure with the kids and oh, getting right. all kinds of stuff. And then <laughs> you have Vincent D'Onofrio as Thor. Whoa. Hello. <laughs> okay. You got to watch it. Yeah. Cinephile. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I it has that vibe because it's these team of heroes in this like extraordinary circumstance riding around in an RV taking care of this baby. So it's like so absurd. And then once you think that's weird enough and crazy enough, wrong. It gets ratcheted up again with some really fun reveals that happen. I don't want to say much more about that. Uh, yeah, really, really fun. Heck yeah. All right, my next book is my second pick of the week, and it is War of the Realms, new Agents of Atlas, number one. This is a huge one. It is written by Greg Pak, drawn by Gang Hyuk Lim, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. I know many of you have been really excited in jazz for it, and it is here. It is really, really great. So we got the first appearance of a new Filipino superhero named Wave, along with the first U.S. appearance of Chinese hero Arrow. I know we're going to get another hero, uh, chi- another Chinese hero, Swordmaster, will uh-huh. be showing up in the book. Um, those two have been in the online Netties comics that we've been doing. This also gives us the uh, K-pop star Luna Snow. So cool. So cool. She's awesome. We get Crescent and Io, a cool new suit for White Fox. All of those last couple have been in our Marvel Future Fight game. So it's bringing in all yeah. kinds of different influences that we've been putting together. That's sort of the beauty of Marvel working all together. It's, it's really fun. And these characters have to come together to defend parts of the Pacific Rim from the Queen of Cinders. Uh, she is from Muspelheim. She is full of fire and, and fury and monsters. And she's claiming pretty much all of Asia as new Muspelheim. Uh, <laughs> that's very greedy of her, but, you know, that's what she does. And these new heroes, they join up with Jimmy Woo, Silk, Shang-Chi, Amadeus Cho, and Jimmy Woo has been putting together this new Agents of Atlas as a global you know, organization. So they all sort of get drafted into this. What really you get is this terrific international team forming in the face of a nightmare catastrophe. There's this like wonderful, delightful moment of White Fox saving a little girl from lava. And then the girl stands up to fight alongside White Fox. It's really, really cute. Heroes battling... You know, before they eventually become pals, classic comic book trope, that's in here. Definitely, definitely, definitely pick it up. Totally. Last book of the week is X-Force number seven. This one is written by Ed Brisson, art by Dylan Burnett and Damien Cusiero, colors by Jesus Abrutov, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And then the artists, they are really good at drawing some nasty stuff in here. You got these Cronins, the massive yeah. telepathic things that gross with their mouths and the... Yeah, yeah. Gooey things. Yeah, this book actually kind of, I think it's led a lot by the art, but also by the the kind of like team of misfits vibe. Feels like a spiritual sibling to Domino's Hot Shots uh, Mm -hmm. in a way, because it's it's got a very unique art style, but it's also like these good guy, bad guys. It's it's great. Yeah. There's some gross stuff in here, like uh, young sexy Cable who's being overcome by the techno-organic virus. So his metal parts are slipping onto the floor and growing up the walls because he can't control it. It's 
gnarly. And panel of Nathan, he's agony on the floor. It's the metal everywhere. It's really, really cool. Uh, one of my favorite bits in this issue is this quiet conversation, though, between Boom Boom and Warpath when they're in the hospital. And old friends who are, like, teasing each other, bonding while they are dealing with the horrors of what they do. I thought that stuff is, like, that's mm-hmm. the, the gold right there in the middle of it all. All right. That's what individual issues will be on sale uh, on May 8th. But collections on sale will include Decades, Marvel in the 80s, Awesome Evolutions, Savage, She-Hulk, Masterworks, Volume 2, Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, Volume 1, Spider-Geddon, Star Wars Age of Republic Villains, and Thor by Jason Aaron, The Complete Collection, Volume 1. Yes. Uh, On the digital side... um there's a new X-Men Dark Phoenix Saga collection on the Marvel app, which I definitely want to point out. But on Marvel Unlimited, we've got some Heroes for Hire issues, Marvel 2-in-1 issues from the 70s, uh, and the Marvel 2-in-1 annuals. Those are really, really great. Plus, of course, the stuff that is hitting the app for the first time after six months of release. Mm-hmm. So much great comics for you. Oh, yeah. Enjoy it all. Yeah. Be good to yourself. Yeah, you earned it. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe. 